we are about to dive into an ad-free, uninterrupted episode of Getting There with Gonz. But before we do it, Eric Cannon from ESPN, before we get you the advice to talk about his career story, we hope that you can go out this holiday season and support these sponsors before we get into our conversation. Lily and David Fine Jewelers, we teased that the Black Friday deals were on the way. We teased that the holiday season shopping was coming up. And check out their Facebook page now, Lily David FJ. Lily David FJ will talk about how all these things can come together for you this holiday season. Maybe you took advantage of the Black Friday weekend deal where you get up to $500 in Visa gift cards. That was going on at Black Friday. Don't worry. The deals will continue at Lily and David Fine Jewelers. Whatever you're trying to find for her. Maybe you're popping the question this holiday season. I know from experience that's where I bought my engagement ring at Lily and David Fine Jewelers. Route 50, the shops of Wilton. Wilton, New York. Guys, make the trip to Wilton, New York, wherever you're listening to this. Maybe it's in Albany. Maybe it's in Geneva, Watertown. Make the trip to Wilton, New York to work with people that you can have on your side when you make one of the biggest purchases of of your life. The engagement ring. Alyssa, David, Tammy, everybody over there will help you make the right decision and you will get compliments this holiday season. And for years to come, the engagement, the wedding band, so many great things going on this holiday season. Don't forget about dad, the watch to fit his style and more. It is Lily and David Fine Jewelers. And when you stop in Route 50 of the shops of Wilton, tell me you heard about Goss's story from right here on Getting There with Goss. And Mohawk Honda in Glenville, New York. We love Mohawk Honda, the 2022 Pilot EXL. Been so excited to talk about it all year long. It's been in my driveway for an entire year. How did it happen? My friends in Mohawk Honda. Shout out to Cam McKenna, Brian McKenna, Lindsay Heron, and Greg Johnson. You've heard these names all throughout 2022. Now it's your opportunity to drive to Glenville, New York, and get yourself a new ride. People that you can trust during the car buying experience. Money in your pocket. Experience like Scott Moynihan with 30 plus years in the automobile industry. I told you the story about John Higgins and service. My wife said, you are never leaving Mohawk Honda. These people are the best. I love these people. They take care of us and they will take care of you the same way. Whether it's things with your vehicle that need to be fixed or you're looking for that upgrade to the 2023s, work with people that won't stress you out when you're walking the lot and trying to find the vehicle you want for the future. To fit your family, your lifestyle, whatever it might be, they want to make sure you get into the ride. And trust me when I say this, when you get one vehicle at Mohawk Honda, you're going to keep going back for more. You're going to spread to your family. That's how it feels when you're at Mohawk Honda. We got one more show coming up in 2022 live from Mohawk Honda. Check out GonzaLaMedia.com for the details. It is Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Now, on to this week's episode of Getting There with Gonz. Another edition here of Getting There with Guys, where we talk about the career journeys of athletes, coaches, media members, business owners, and more from upstate New York. Capital Region fans will know this guy. It has been too long since we have reconnected. He's doing some great things that we're going to get to. He is Eric Hanneman. Eric, for those who may not know, let's go back to a younger version of you, six, seven, eight years old. Where'd you grow up? What'd you want to be as a kid? Was it that same dream job you wanted when you were 18 years old? Yeah, I feel like it's a cliche in this business sometimes when you say like when you were younger, you did, you know, used to uh, do announcing in my backyard and, and all that good stuff. But uh, yeah, East Greenbush, New York, 10 minutes from Albany. 
uh, Columbia High School. Uh, grew up there, born and raised. And uh, yeah, I, I had an idea. Like I love sports from obviously a young age and all that. And I used to play in the backyard baseball to myself and come up with either fake players or real players, simulate games, announce it in the backyard. Sometimes you do the whole mute the video games and you commentate. So um, I, I like to, to like branch off from that path sometimes because I always feel like it's cliche and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he was doing it for... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I fit that mold, I guess, of I've always kind of knew I wanted to do it. But, um, yeah, it was it was uh, a decision that uh, grew over time, but it was there from the beginning. Well, let's talk about your college decision then, because you are growing up in East Greenbush. Upstate New York is known for broadcasting schools. Take us through the process, because, a little spoiler, you do not end up at a traditional, I would say, broadcasting school. No, de- definitely not. And, and I'll get into my experience at Fairfield University uh, a little bit later after I talk about how I got there. But uh, yeah, I guess in like high school for me, I never really thought about what I wanted to do like that much, you know, it's just kind of like go to school, get good grades, play sports. And so, you know, I, those things that I used to do, I used to, you know, um, announce games from the, from the bench. Like people would, you know, be like, Oh, there, there's Hanneman down there, uh, you know, kind of, giving his own commentary on the games, you know, because I didn't get I didn't actually play enough basketball uh, in my per- I would have liked to have gotten on the court a little bit more. I'm not going to say that I didn't play <laughs> enough because that was the coach's decision. Um, and, and I respect it still. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, eventually, you know, we're there senior year in high school. And so, you know, hey, uh, you got to apply to college. Well, that was junior year, right? Sophomore, junior year. They tell you to start thinking about it. You got to apply to colleges like, you got, you know, you got it. So that comes around. And I remember I was with my best friend, Danny, uh, childhood best friend. We were friends from, you know, when I was in preschool. And so, you know, we in the it was great because it was like, ah, we're off of school because we get to go to this college fair. Like, you know, that classic the field trip feeling uh, for this. It was that feeling for me, except for it was a college fair. So it had to do with your life and, and, and possible big career decisions or life decisions, if you will. But it was still that feeling of, ah, I'm out of school. Like, let's let's have some fun here. Like, remember having my iPod on the bus over to Hudson Valley and, and just being like, just enjoying it. And so, oh, yeah, let's go here. Let's go there. And I, I knew communications was going to end up being at that point. I was like, all right, I kind of, I think I like the sports broadcasting thing. Like, let me uh, try to pursue that, see where the good schools are. And so, like, my parents obviously put Syracuse out there and all this. But I, at this college fair, we come across Fairfield University. Didn't know much really about it other than the fact that it was in Siena's conference, right? Like I grew up being – Siena was fantastic when I was in middle and high school. I think that was the year they made the tournament uh, a, f- a few times. And, and, you know, so I only knew them as a, a MAC team. And so they talked about where they were located and really sold, you know, the fact that New York City was close by and that there was internships. Um, you know, how that turned out. We can we can get to how the, those promises made, promises kept. Uh, it was a great sell job, I guess, if you will, because uh, those things are very competitive, as you know. Um, but it, it really stood out to me, so I applied, I visited, I liked it, and it came down to a few universities, uh, a few colleges, and uh, that I was like, you know what, Fairfield is uh, the college I'm going to choose here. So it just it kind of I I always like my parents always tell me, oh, you loved it, you really wanted to go there. I how I remember it was this. Okay, here, here's the process. Okay, the internship thing, that's interesting. Okay, and then uh, I liked it. It was all of a sudden uh, I got two to choose from, and uh, all right, yeah, I'm going to choose Fairfield. So that's not the glow, most glowing 
story about it, but that's that's the truth. <laughs> I hope I hope my memory's not giving me a disservice here. I could have sworn there was a sibling, like your sister was involved or something too, right? Am I am I totally off on that? Um, I think the, the, if, if there was a sibling that where there was a decision, the third school because I, I said three and I then two, I kind of contradicted myself in that last soliloquy. It, it did come down to three. Uh, one of them was Sienna, and my brother had gone there, so I kind of was like, ah, I already, I had gone through so many camps at Sienna, baseball camp, volleyball camp, basketball camp. Uh, I stayed up with my brother when he was there, so I kind of, I didn't, but I felt like I had the Sienna experience already. If that, it's, it's so yes. silly, but like I kind of felt like I kind of knew what it was like to eat in that cafeteria and like be on that campus enough. Uh, and so that kind of ruled that one out mentally because my brother had gone to, to CNN and already had that experience. So uh, maybe that's what you were thinking of. But, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I, who knows? I was close. I knew it was a sibling. Maybe your sister st- lived in London. I don't know. I'm getting maybe your sibling's well, that, child. She did live in London for a little right, bit. So I, but how does that relate? I don't know. I don't know. Just try to <laughs> just try to grasp the straws there. Okay, so you go to Fairfield. Fairfield's the decision. You're going to Fairfield. You gave me some beautiful teases there to talk about your experience as a stag so you referenced the internship. I want to kind of clear that up a little bit. Did they, when you were going through this process as a high school senior, you went to Fairfield, was it the expectation of, okay, I'm going to Fairfield and they're going to give me an internship here? Did you not understand the concept? Walk us through like kind of the idea of why you felt like internships were far more important and maybe more of a challenge than you realized. Hopefully that's the right way to phrase that for how you wanted it to get set up. <laughs> yeah, no, but like... It- as you know, internships, especially in this business, are extremely important. And the one that I ended up landing was was very big for my career, which we'll get into a little bit later. But yes, I, I'll, I'll just say New York City. There's a lot of places in New York City. I don't want to name any company or any uh, different uh, one. I will name one um, because I did work with with SNY uh, through Fairfield. So that was like a great uh, resume building thing. Like SNY was a uh, who we did the games for. So I was kind of working with them a little bit doing the Fairfield, Fairfield games. Um, so there was kind of an internship in that regard. It wasn't a, like a real internship per se, but I, it was something I could put on the resume. So the fact that we were so close and, and we would put games on S and Y that helped me out and working those basketball games uh, in Fairfield, actually Bridgeport. But um, yes, there was, there were opportunities that, okay, oh, New York city is there. Ah, Yankees jets. Like there's, a lot of it's the media capital of the world, really, in terms of sports. Uh, obviously, there's a few others, but like New York, in terms of sports, WFAN, all those great stations. I, I named another station, but <laughs> there, you know about it. like that, that's right. the place where sports was. So it would be a good place to go. And then Fairfield's not that far away. I mean, we took plenty of train rides in my four years there. Uh, and, and so it would have been easy to do internships there. I did have a few opportunities that I applied to, I just, just didn't land any of them. So uh, the promises were made and, and, you know, I'll take responsibility. Like maybe I didn't do enough to, to get those internships. But like I said, the one that I did end up landing uh, play, played huge dividends in my career, I would say. One of those is 104.5 The Team, ESPN yes. Radio, where you and I met up uh, during this internship, by the way, a little tease. Your fellow intern is Drew Zlogar at that yeah. same time who ended up working for the XFL and the NBA. And he's doing stuff with. Uh, a sponsor we cannot mention because of a competing sponsor here okay. on the logo below. So we can't mention <laughs> that. So shout out to Drew. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about your first experience in the radio side of the world and what those type of responsibilities were and how you landed the internship, especially for the younger people. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for uh, a, a cameo from, from Drew here to bring back the old <laughs> gang. How about Dubs and, 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 you know, Woods and all those guys. Um, yeah, though, that internship. So I will say this about the internship. 
um, if, if I'm looking to inspire people, I guess. <laughs> it doesn't hurt to speak up sometimes. I mean, I got the call that, hey, uh, we're, we're going to go uh, with people who are entering their senior year, like older people. Originally, I can't tell you, you know, the, the feeling that I had was, you know, may, maybe it was just they didn't have enough room for me, right? Uh, but the way it was phrased to me was, hey, we're going with the older upperclassmen. We want to go with upperclassmen. So I said, uh, well, I am the upperclassman. Like, I'm going into my senior year. So uh, the, the person who was responsible for hiring the internship said, give me a second, hangs up. And next thing you know, he's like, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll fit you in here. So, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it pays to, to speak up a little bit, especially when you're like, wait a second, you know, that that does qualify that I'm qualified or I, I fit that mold. I fit what you just said there. Uh, and it turned out that I was able to, to work my way in because I think originally there was already two interns. They said, I, I, my, my feeling was, and I just want to be honest with how I, I felt like, I felt like maybe they added me as a third and it turned out one of them fell out. So I was one of two. So it worked out well. Um, and so I, I landed the internship at uh, 104.5, the team, uh, as well as, I don't know if you know about this. I'm one of the few interns for hot 991 as well, because yes, I would, I, I did have a day of a week where I would do things for our good friend, Supreme uh <laughs> for hot 991 um so it was actually a very well a very well-rounded internship for me because i was able to do things for the team and, and uh and hot but uh no that that was probably the game-changing internship so i mean in my time at fairfield uh there was no sports broadcasting major so i was actually in the film television and media program so i i did a lot of stuff that had to do with the film. So, you know, I, I was on film sets and, and I was boom operators and, and doing, uh, you know, learned how to gaff and all of those things, things that you never would have to learn per se for sports broadcasting. Uh, you know, they might still, I, I, I don't know. They might teach it, you know, uh, certain places, but the way that I did it was, okay, I'm doing a film television and media program, but I'm gonna make my own major. So that's why I worked with those games for Fairfield and SNY. I, I had a couple radio shows on the local uh, 88.5, 88.5. See, I might have already forgotten uh, Fairfield's <laughs> flagship <laughs> station. Um, but yes, uh, so I at that time, I already knew I liked doing the radio thing. I had a two-hour web show that I, I would say probably my parents and maybe my great uncle listened to. But uh, and, and maybe the friends, friends as well. But I knew I liked doing that. And what solidified that and really maybe introduced for the first time what was like not only behind the scenes, but on air and all that was at 104.5 team. And, and the internship was... It, it molded what – like, it confirmed what I wanted to do. It was like, this is it. Like, this is what I, I want to do. And and I'm having such a good time here, not even in the place I want to work myself to. Like, I'm at the spot where I'm an intern and I'm having this much fun. I know I'm if I keep working hard and keep my head down, I, I can get to, you know, build my way up. And it just turned out I texted you the summer after I graduated uh, and we needed a board up. And boom, uh, next thing you know, I'm running games, Susan Waldman, John Sterling. And that's how my foot got in the door. But the internship was the, the key to open that door. Yeah, I want to get back to that email because that's an important part of your career that I hope young broadcasters, aspiring broadcasters know because there's something important to that. I do want to flip that just add a little context here. Armin Williams is the program director, brand manager at right. the time. He moves on to Denver and Houston in his career. Jeff Levac, who a lot of people know, he is there at that time. I'm there in a producer role. Andrew Williams, who you mentioned, is now with BetQL down in Odyssey. So Brady Farkas is there, who's doing great stuff. So it's, I don't want to say an all-star. I think that's too big of a compliment. But an experienced group of broadcasters in the mid-2010 decade that 
you are with at that point, kind of all growing through the careers at that point. Uh, also to add to this, you mentioned the internship and how it comes together, but Fairfield as a curriculum is film. Mm-hmm. There are some places, I'll use my own alma mater, it's a recent episode here, probably right below you on our audio side from Tyler Terrence that talks about, you have to teach yourself. Like when you're going through film and you want to be a sports broadcaster, did you ever find yourself putting more pressure on yourself? Did you find you had to do more things on your own? How did that process feel for you in those college years where it's like, hey, I got to do this. I This isn't what I want, but I got to be more independent than other broadcasters I'm competing against. Yeah. So, you know, another thing that I was involved in uh, that was very close to the program that I was in, very it's a very small program. And so we were all close-knit. Like, we all wanted to help each other, right? The par- parts of, you know, the program is from a young age, you get a chance to work on the, the capstones for the the seniors. The seniors have to make a senior capstone. And so most of them, actually all of them, I mean, mine was a film too. So all of them are films, whether it's, you know, a, a scripted show or a scripted movie or a short film, obviously, uh, or a documentary. And so it, it kind of was a we're going to help what you want to do. We're going to help you out. And so when I was a, a freshman, we did stag TV and they did think did a thing called fresh meat where they would have basically a 30 minute show. Someone would produce it. And, you know, for anyone who wanted to try different things, try to be a talk show host, you know, how do you want to do this interview? And so I was able to do uh, a sports segment on there. We actually parlayed that into a show. Very creative here, guys called second take. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a TV show, so I was able to 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 build uh, TV into what I wanted to do as well, not just radio. And so I, I was able to get that experience. And first ever in the history of Stags TV, sports director right here. I have no idea if that continued after I left, but it was I was technically the first ever sports director. So yes, long roundabout way. Yeah, I felt that pressure. Like you need. To, okay, what can I do to keep building my resume uh it looks good stacks to dv uh, director but even now i'm like what did i what did i do as that like what, what exactly did i do and we did produce our own so i know i mentioned it worked with sny but we did produce our own for stacks tv uh i think we did one or two volleyball games and one women's basketball game and that was very stressful to put that all together i mean you're you're uh making sure you have a director you're making sure you have enough camera ops and, and so uh you know Costas uh, was was our advisor, and he was very helpful in in guiding me through that process, and uh, basically just learn on the fly. I mean, everything was just learning on the fly. Whether it was working for those basketball games, uh, I also worked lacrosse games. Uh, so, yeah, it was a lot of learning on the fly, and just making sure. Oh, they need they need someone to work this game or they needed someone to work that game. I, I better go do it. So, you know, cause I, I was responsible for my own major really, as, as you kind of put it. And, and I had some, I had some others that were interested and I say others really only one other comes to mind, but that were interested in some kind of sports uh, community uh, or sports broadcasting. And, um, you know, she was very helpful. We kind of helped each other out a little bit as well. So it was a team effort. And so as long as you showed the, you're going to help them out basically, and be a team player, they would do the same for you, which is why people uh, volunteered to help work those games. And it was good for their experience as well. I want to make sure I clear something up. You said in passing sure. quickly, Costas, as in Bob Costas, was your advisor. No, uh, 
His name was Casas. I, I didn't want to butcher his last name because <laughs> okay, it's, it's, okay. it's very No, no, Greek. no, that's okay. I think people would have heard that and been like, wait, he was working with Bob Costas in college and he just quickly passed through that with no disrespect to your advisor. I just yeah, wanted yeah, to clear yeah. that up for somebody who might have heard that in passing and thought, whoa, that's incredible. And, and I just interviewed quick, Bob Costas once. So nice, man. And, and you know what? That's a perfect segue here because uh, the <laughs> timeline here of this, I believe, adds up while you are still a student. I hope this is correct too. Of your Tommy John film. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's go through this for those who don't know about what I'm with Tommy John and how this becomes a part of your Wait, career. You're a, you have a huge role in this. I don't know if you know this, but you, you have a huge role in this. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, the aforementioned capstone. So we all have to do something for our senior year. Uh, and it's mainly sh- you know, short films or documentaries. And so for mine, um, I, I'll i be honest, senior year, no, no idea what I was thinking about doing. Like, it just was a lot to throw at you. You have to make this this film. But what am I going to make? Because as as we've been talking about here, you know, I'm not doing film, television, and media to become a filmmaker. Did I grow a love for movies uh, and look at movies differently and 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 really appreciate having that as part of my major? Absolutely. I mean, that was something that my mind was open to, and my eyes were open to uh, of having that experience doing uh, the film sets that I was was on. It like awesome, awesome stuff. But that was not something that I was going to do. I mean, I I, I needed to do something that was going to capitulate or capsulate the 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 sports broadcasting major that I made for myself. And so, one of the things that we did at one hundred four five the team. I don't know if you remember this, but um, I can't remember exactly where it was. It was at one of I believe the children's hospitals. Uh, but Tommy John was in town, and he was going there to sign autographs and so it was during one day of my internship i happened to be working that day and you said eric come with me i I don't know if that was your decision or armin's decision but it was eric come with me to this you know we're gonna go interview him i think you really needed someone to hold the camera but uh (laughs) (laughs) but it was but but, but it was awesome you know it was an awesome experience he was so uh nice uh to everybody there was it was great to see tommy john and so i just remember liking his personality a lot and and really learning more about him as a player so if i can parlay this into what the documentary became about was oh this is tommy john this is the first guy to get that big surgery that changed everything in terms of major league baseball right sandy koufax could have pitched longer is the the thing that a lot of people speculate had tommy john been invented earlier and so yeah i knew tommy john everyone's talking tommy john surgery this tommy john surgery that but i didn't know much about tommy john i mean he played in, in the 80s i think retired maybe he played a long time he played 70s and 80s but i think he retired like right around when i was born and so i didn't know much about him as a player and learned a lot more about him through that experience loving his personality loving your interview with him and realizing this guy's pretty darn good. And then I realized he's also not in the Hall of Fame. And I was like, wait a second. This is something. And so I reached out to you. You gave me his email. He was very, very grace, uh, graceful to respond to me and uh, said, hey, yeah, just come by the Palm Springs uh, uh, golf side uh, townhouse or whatever you want to call it. And just just let me know when you can do it. And, and uh, you know, he's retired. He doesn't you know, he lives there with his wife. Whenever you want to come by, uh, just let me know. And set it all up during spring break. We fly out there to uh, two PAs or two. I call them PAs now, but you know they were they were there to help me. 
but my fellow, once again, like you want to help them out. There was an awesome experience for them. They actually made it a whole spring break. I just went with my dad um, for a few days out to Palm Springs and interviewed him uh, to do a documentary about trying to get him in the Hall of Fame. Hasn't quite worked out yet. Uh, we're here still uh, six years later and and on those expansion era committees or however they've changed it. He, he still hasn't gotten over that threshold, but uh, I'll, I'll just throw out this. He has the most wins of anyone other than Roger Clemens to not be in the Hall of Fame, 270. And and uh, I, I and I think that he he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And then you, you factor in the the fact that he proved right. A lot of things is about him proving that you could that that surgery worked right. Because at the time, everyone thought that that type of injury was going your career was over. The fact that he pitched longer after he got that surgery, in terms of seasons, than he did before, was huge in proving that. Guys can get hurt, and th- and now look at how many guys are getting Tommy John surgery because we, they throw they've evolved to throw so hard, and so that's why uh, yeah, that's why that documentary happened. It was it was just a combination of circumstances, and and it turned into that, and and it was something that I was passionate about too. When we share this on the social media platforms, I'm going to ask you if you can find that link if it's still somewhere out there because I hope I think it's on my Twitter profile. All right, all right, in my we'll- Twitter profile. We'll tag the Twitter here on the social media <laughs> okay. handle so people can find it because I think even you probably looking back now six years later, seven years later, think even you telling that story. Hey, I'm a senior in college. I just called Tommy John, a legendary baseball player, or I got his info, his email. I'm going to his house with people that I know. He set like even the story, probably thinking back your perspective, you just don't know what you're doing as a senior in college in the sense of maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And then. Years later, like, wow, that was insane. Like, this actually yeah. happened. It came together and, and all that through your career. Uh, let's talk about networking. Uh, oh, not, yeah. not to mention, I wrote, I wrote on his golf cart around around the complex, too, uh, along with the uh, t- two women who came to help me. So that was fun. Insane, man. So let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about networking because I, I'll give this compliment to you. And Jake Aspen, who's another former guest on the show earlier in November as well, I would say truly, and like everybody that I know, I think the two best networkers are Jake Asman, who I've met, and you. And I don't know how you got so good at it or where it came from. But, Eric, when you went through the process of landing your first job in the field, which ended up being a producer slash board op role at 104.5, the team, you were smart and persistent about reaching out. Uh, let's give some advice on networking. Is it something that came natural to you? How did you figure out to be so good at this? Because this networking plays a huge role in your success in your career. Uh, I mean, does it, I wouldn't say it comes natural to me in the sense of like, I, I'm very much kind of like leave people alone, like leave them to their business. But at the end of the day, when it comes to what you want to do, you have to be aggressive and, and you got to kind of be early. Like it's, it's a glare cliche, but early bird gets the worm or, uh, you know, the squeaky tire gets the grease, whatever it is, the oil, whatever. Uh, because basically you're not going to get responses from anybody without not reaching out to them. So, uh, I think also too, it's, it's, it's not only about knowing people, but it's also about making the connections like that summer. I, I got close to you. I got close to you. I want to say I got close to dubs, like enough to where I felt comfortable. Like I didn't look at it as bothering you or like intimidated. Maybe that's a credit to you as well. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to reach out to guys like, why, why not? I mean, why not me? And why not that opportunity? And I think also too, is like, we were, we got along and I, I think I get along with, a lot of different people and i think it's important to to not burn bridges either but uh i think that might be be helpful as well uh to, to why i've been able to, to network well I, I i push back on on that a little bit guys i i don't want to all of a sudden uh, be known as this great networker and then just fall off a cliff but 
Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. I will, I will let you be humble in the compliment there of maybe you don't even realize how good you are at it until you continue to go through your career. Because look, you get hired as a board op, you get hired as a producer, which is an entry level position, not really doing a lot of promo stuff, but maybe if needed, you'll do it. But slowly but surely, in that building, you work your way up, and everybody has a different goal when they step into a certain workforce. It could be, uh, we're talking about radio in particular. Some people just want to be behind the scenes. Some people want to do mm-hmm. sales. Some people want to do programming. It seemed as if your goal was always to be on the air, which is great. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you got on the air was because you always got reps. Like, And you also told people, like, hey, if you need somebody to fill in, I can be your guy. And sure enough, those opportunities came for you. You remember the board op minute? <laughs> yes. Do, do and I don't think it's I don't think it's actually changed since like nobody thought <laughs> let's explain that because I think that right there in 2022 and 2023 is such a simple thing that young broadcasters would be like why wouldn't you do that especially on the stream side and especially on the social side. Yeah, uh, so you know there is web and then there's you know the uh, the station itself but the web uh, as far as I understood at least my internship there was uh, fills, if you will, like things that would just play on the web uh, to before they got back on air. Uh, and so one of those things was just like a, sh- a short take. I think Dubs was had a few of them. I think in my internship. So when I got the job, I was like, okay, so how can I, you know, make get some reps? And so that's how I was like, all right, I'll, I'll just send in these board out minutes. And I have no, I didn't really listen to the stream, so I have no idea if anyone heard them or if they played. What I do know is it showed initiative to to you. I think it showed initiative to uh, another uh, person that we both worked for, Steve Richards. Um, and, and so I think that helped me prove, you know, whether it's they liked it or not, or they liked to my, my go-getter. And at the very least, too, there was feedback. It's always great to get feedback from somebody. And, and so they, uh, you, I think, Steve definitely did, gave me advice as well. Um, which led to the Sit and Sports Ad podcast on 104.5 The Team YouTube page, which became a- another big uh, thing that I enjoyed doing with a plethora of, of different people. Um, and-, and so that helped me eventually get into becoming a fill-in guy. And, and then the next thing you know, there's me hosting along with Roger Wild on Big Word Sports. I mean, it happened kind of quick. <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's let, look that whole transition, right? Because you kind of saw the changes in the building, which is also very rare for somebody who gets into the field at 22, 23 years old, where you're seeing, okay, uh, this person was here. Now they're not. This person was here. Now they're not. And that happened throughout both the midday time slot and the afternoon drive time slot. But for you, it became that midday where you become, after producing the show, the next in line, I guess, you know, to use the Belichick, because I believe Steve Richards may have even used that term next man <laughs> up where you're hosting with Rogers. So it happens. We don't have to get to the behind the scenes stuff. I'm sure we'll get to more of that here in a second, but first, like, let's talk about how your role changed. Did you find yourself following people like Chris Honorado and Brady Farkas and Zach by and, and everybody else who had been in that role? Hopefully I didn't miss anybody there. I believe that's everybody who was before. That's you everybody. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, stepping in that role as a co-host, how did that, if at all change the way you walked in and prepped for a show? Mm, that's a good that's a good question um always asking the hard questions on getting there with guys <laughs> um it, it, it really changed everything because you know before uh you know i, I was pr- the producing for for them for like a month or two before um i was asked uh if i wanted the position and there was no expectation of booking any guests and there was no expectation of you know blog posts or anything like that uh but i I think the the main thing was 
yeah, I helped produce. I helped ground grab sound for Roger, but you know, this went from you know working with Roger to working with Roger. Like you had to make sure that you were doing everything because it's called Big Board Sports with Roger Wyland, right? It, there's the with Roger Wyland for a reason. Every time you listen to it on 104.5 The Team, it's not it's Big Board Sports and then the, the bed plays. No, it's Big Board Sports with Roger Wyland. So I felt like for me that I had to make sure I was doing everything that he wanted. So I, I kind of went to him and was like, hey, am I doing this right? Or can, and so he was very transparent right at the gate. Like he, he's it's a very dre- uh, guest driven show. Likes to have a, 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 two, three guests on, on every show. So that's where it really changed. And I was like, Oh, so this is producing like this is having to, to dig down. And so I I had been dabbling with doing pr- more production stuff with the show. But that was another thing. I was like, we can do more production things here. And so that's why I introduced doing intros at the top of every single hour. I mean, that was not even uh, a thing. You know, it, it wasn't even a thing for the, the first three or four years on 104.5 The Team. And then I was like, what if we do a, a rejoin like at the top of all these hours? Like just kind of improve the production value of the show. I started thinking more outside the box, like, cause I was a, a part of it. It was, it was, you know, like I said, it is big boys, brother, Roger Wyland, but you know, I did feel like I was more part of the show too. Um, you know, being able to, to contribute and, and having that opportunity. So yes, the, the, the responsibilities changed. There was more pressure, but um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I surprised myself a little bit too. That's the exciting part about it, adding your own flavor, adding your own personality, your own spice, <laughs> like a good chef. Like, okay, that's a little Eric Hanneman right there. That's a little E on this. And that's a great part about that field. I, we should add this, though. This is important, especially for people who are trying to find that first job, because your hours are insane, because you aren't just working at 104.5, the team. You have a second job. Mm. Let's go through that, because that's really <laughs> important, because you're grinding through two jobs. I think the hours we should go through, how insane your day was and for how long that shift of two jobs lasted yeah uh so in the times where I, I there's so many other crazy times that i could could probably fill you in on uh but we'll we'll go to the scheduling of what it was like when i was working big board sports with roger uh, as uh his producer um so uh news channel 13 is where i also worked uh so i actually got that job first guys you, you mentioned earlier in the podcast i think you know you landed your first job uh, no, the first one was technically News Channel 13. Oh, so, okay. Shout out to to Wendy for, and and I don't mean Wendy Williams or something like that. When <laughs> Wendy Albrecht, I think is how you pronounce it. So I I, I don't want to butcher these last names, guys. Um, but uh, so yes, uh, the shift that I ended up getting was the afternoon shift, which you know that helped me out a, a lot too, to be the fact that it was able to be in the afternoon slash night. And so, uh, yeah, you would uh, Monday through Friday. I'm obviously in there. 9 a.m. making sure everything is good to go before big board sports i'm out of there hopefully by 1 30 uh, after post show activities and i got i had to be there at 3 30 uh to 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 work the four o'clock news the five o'clock news 5 36 and then back for the 9 and 11 so yes it was it was very full days uh those days for me would be uh my schedule turned into i, I it was what uh, wednesday through saturday so monday and tuesday i had the rest of the day to myself Sunday, I had sin sports that Sunday in the morning, but most of the time, unless I picked up an extra shift at 13, I had the rest of the day on myself. But, you know, there were days where it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're working basically from from nine to midnight, 9 a.m. to midnight. So, yeah, it was a grind. Um, but but I liked it, too, because it actually helped, I would say, the radio show, because I, I'm hanging out with Roger watching sports Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, he's doing his job. But, you know, during, you know, from nine to 
uh, after the nine, I didn't have to do anything. Like I had just to be, you know, be on call or, or do headlines, but I was pretty much free just to go in the newsroom and distract Roger by watching sports. He's not, he wouldn't never get distracted. He was, he's, you know, very <laughs> professional. He gets everything done. He, he, he knows how to block out stupid takes I'm having over there or <laughs> the UFC that I put on the TV. He's like, what are you watching? But um, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of, uh, of fun, you know, being in that environment with him watching sports and kind of having his reactions live. And it helped out, I think, the radio show because, you know, how often are co-hosts getting together and watching sports together? You know, ironically, like, you, it's actually a fun thing to, to think about. Like, you know, how much is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max sitting together watching games? I'm sure they are. Um, you know, sometimes I, know, I actually know for a fact that they have. Um, but I'm just saying, like, that was consistently three days a week. Uh, you know, we, we were hanging out more after the show, and I think it only benefited it, honestly. So nope. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade any of the scheduling, you know, for it all. Those are 15 hour days for the O's keeping track at home that Eric was working with. That's Not a man. breeze, right? Like 15 <laughs> hour days, no weekends off. If you heard that, maybe once in a while to shift. And I still try to hit way. the gym a little bit, too, guys. Right. And, and let's add one other thing there in the addition to at some point in your career, you get added to the Albany football and basketball, right? Like Albany <laughs> sports gets sunk, swung into this kind of that same spot, which has now become, if you're a part of the big board sports show, you blend in with some of the broadcasts because the home of the great Danes and Rogers been the voice. So if that wasn't enough, the 15 hour shift, you decided to <laughs> add more to your plate. Yeah, but it was just too good of an opportunity uh, for me, honestly. And by that point, I had already had the chemistry with Roger. I, I mean, I knew it was going to be something else that we could you know, do great work together on. Uh, and he was very welcoming. He was very helpful in that process of, of not only getting me the opportunity, uh, but, you know, leading me through the early days. But I honestly think that it was another thing. Like, the chemistry was just so there, and it was a great opportunity for me. Uh, and so I, I knew I had to take it like that. That's just really what it comes down to on that. You know, e even if the extra days, even if Monday and Tuesday, you know, my usual days where I was able to go home or even if a Sunday, it was worth sacrificing the rest of that day because I, I it was a great experience. Um, very good experience with the university itself as well. Uh, it, it was really a pleasure, honestly. So yeah, it, it was more work, but I, I, I love doing it. Someone's going to hear this show and be like, okay, so Eric Hanman worked his way up from an intern to a board op all the way to middays, all the way to Albany. kids working 15 hours a day, doing everything everybody asks them. And then all of a sudden, 2021 hits. I'm gone. LeVac's <laughs> gone four months later. They're looking for a new afternoon drive show. They're looking for a new program director. And people are going to look at you and be like, what the hell happened? So share as much or as little as you want, because I'm sure there's still some people in the capital region. that are like, wait a second. This doesn't make sense that Eric's not there anymore. Um, well, I mean, I, I think that they really liked me with Raj uh, and I liked being with Raj. Uh, so like it, we had such a good thing going, man. I mean, it, it was a fun show to work on. I, I, I want to think, think that the capital region enjoyed it. Um, and they enjoyed the dynamic. I mean, <laughs> there's still things that uh, make me laugh uh, about you know certain you know our arguments is a strong word, but just like knowing that like yeah, it's it's fun it's fun to push back on Roger. I, I know he can laugh at certain things, um, and, and we got together so uh, well. And I think that's what it came down to was you know we we just kind of had the cogs in the machine rolling. They didn't want to take me off uh, of, of working with Roger, uh, and that would have changed things dramatically moving to the afternoons. And um, I, I think that. That was ultimately the, the reason why, uh, you know, 
I didn't go to the afternoons, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't change any of it. Honestly, I think, you know, uh, I like where I'm at right now. And uh, yes, the goal ultimately is, and I know you probably got that on the note card too to ask, but the ultimate goal is to kind of get back on the air a little bit. Uh, but, but I, I'm enjoying ESPN right now. You gave that a very smart, I guess we'll say, political because i know you have ambition so i'm gonna let that sit i'm gonna keep i'm gonna let that stay as your answer because that ambition in eric hanneman cannot be just calmed a bit because that ambition comes up again because if our visual audience has a little clue here you are not in albany you're in bristol connecticut now as an employee of espn how did it happen man how did you end up in bristol connecticut and say as much or as little as you'd like on this one as well because it is your current employer don't want to give away too many secrets yeah, uh, you know, so when you work with Roger, uh, you know, opportunities can happen. And, um, you know, we work closely uh, with Tim Kirchin and, and Freddie Coleman. And so, you know, you bring up network, networking, networking, you know, it doesn't hurt to be like, hey, I applied to this job. Any, any help that you can do for me it would be much appreciated, right? It doesn't hurt to do that, uh, you know, because – both the guys that I mentioned want to see people succeed. They, they, they're just really down to earth people um, that I've been able to, to build, you know, somewhat relationships with, I don't want to oversell it, but you know, build relationships with. And so, you know, when I applied for that job, I reached out um, and it just said, Hey, look, I, I applied to this job. Any help would be, be great. Next thing you know, there's an interview and um, second interview and then a third interview. And uh, then they offered me the job and, and, you know, talking with Roger, you know, because he, he really did become somebody that I, I trusted of, you know, helping me out in my career. And, and he said, you know, looked at me and, and really said, oh, this, this is it. Like, this is it. So um, I, I, I knew I had to take it. And it's been an, it's been the right choice. There he is. Bristol, Connecticut, the goal of so many young sports broadcasters, whether it's on air or behind the scenes, showing up to work and seeing what you've seen for years of Sports Center and all the shows, you know, at ESPN Radio. So let's talk about it. What is your actual responsibilities in your job currently in November of 2022 at ESPN? So, yeah, this uh, right now, November, current responsibilities. Uh, so I do work five days a week. The weekends are still busy for me, guys. So I'm still working on weekends. Uh, but I but I enjoy working on weekends because Saturday and Sunday mornings are when I get to get to produce the radio shows. Um, so I'm producing Darian Mel on Saturday mornings from 7 to 10. And then I'm producing Best Week Ever on Sunday mornings, also from 7 to 10. Uh, and that you know that's the football schedule because things changed. Ari Mel will move back to ten to one at some point, and Marty McGee will be seven to ten on Saturday mornings. Um, so it is kind of like a uh, a fluid schedule sometimes with with the changing seasons and football season really dictating uh, those things. Uh, and then during the week, I help uh, TV produce Canty and Carlin on the ESPN app. Uh, and then run the board for Bar and Han one day a week as well. So it, it's a, a, a mara- what's the word? A bevy. I'll use bevy. How about that? Yeah, smorgasbord right, right. <laughs> uh, of responsibilities. Uh, you know, if someone calls out or there's other opportunities that they need you to to help with, you know, your schedule could change. But uh, those are a few things that I'm doing there, and and you know none little you know just being able to kind of see it from our perspective guys i don't know if i've shared this with you but just kind of like seeing it from the perspective because we as someone that's worked for an espn affiliate guys you cut you you know how much we rely on certain cuts or like why is it this year or 
know, sports beats and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it's an inside I know how that works I. now. Like I know how that works from this end now, and it, 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 it's it, it's it's fun, and, and so I know. Oh, so maybe this was why uh, that didn't show up. But th- that's all I will say there, because like you said, they are my current employer. So secrets of the industry but four <laughs> shows four different shows to the fluid schedule weekends get up the morning by the way Dari and mel i heard you on there i made sure i shot you a text killing it when they let you do those <laughs> on-air features man it is so cool hearing it happen so there you are dude i mean you guys uh, you know obviously you know mel's a legend and, and and dari as well um he used to do the sports beats i used to listen to him all the time when we were putting those uh in the system and they're great to work with. I mean, they make it so easy. And then Peter Burns and Kitty George on Sunday morning, same thing. So it, it's a lot. Of, it's a blast. It's a, it's one thing to to have to to produce a show and, and the stresses that can come with it. But it's another thing when you know you're working with people that can help you get through it. And so it's it's been a lot of great, great teamwork. Is there any misconceptions for young broadcasters, young media people who are aspiring to get to where you are of ESPN that maybe you thought, oh, I didn't think that was a real thing, but it's a real thing. I know the most cliche one is the old ESPN commercials where anyone's walking in the hallway, but that's actually not that far off. No, I mean, it's not that far off. I mean, there was one day where uh, one of my coworkers said to me, I just had the uh, um, the, the sports center commercial. Remember with uh, the, the devil in the hallway? Yeah. I just had that happen to me. There was the devil walking around. And he was getting in the elevator, and I said, going up, and he shook his head. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, this just happened. <laughs> so, yeah, that does happen. And then you see random people sometimes in the in the cafeteria um, that you can, you know, uh, you know, next thing you know, I mean, they stand out, obviously, some of these players, but, you know, going to pick up your grilled cheese, and then you see Carlos Boozer, ACC network analyst, and, oh, okay, hey, what's up? Uh, yeah, so you, it, it, yeah, you do see a lot of random. I mean, I saw Adam Schefter walking around, Taylor Twelman today, doing U.S. soccer stuff. So yeah, you never know who eventually you're, you're going to run into at times when you're just walking around the building, and, and, and so it, it isn't far off from that. No, I, I, I mean you're not seeing random mascots, but but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean it, there's I, I don't know who you know uh, I don't know if you know who Charlie Arnold is uh, from uh, WWE. Yeah, WWE, she works for uh, ESPN now. She does uh, some UFC stuff and a lot of great stuff. I think uh, First Take, Her Take uh, podcast along with Elle Duncan. And uh, I, I think I'm – I don't want to leave out the third person on that podcast, but it's slipping my mind right now. But, yeah, I was <laughs> – so I, I think there's a TV studio near the radio side. And uh, I, on the way to the bathroom, there's like a corner where like you could e- easily – there's no like mirror thing to look at. So you could easily just – have a head-on collision with someone and i would say i want to say she's relatively short but uh like five four five six almost just totally decked her coming around that hallway like i never <laughs> she wouldn't know who i am and it just it, it was like oh shoot and you're almost ready to run into person and then you realize oh that's her <laughs> so yeah you, you just never know you watch out you know like peek around the the hallway uh the edges of the hallways because you don't want to run into a celebrity <laughs> There you like, go. The misconceptions are not break their actually, leg or something. Right. They're not actually misconceptions. It's real. Some <laughs> of the stuff you see about the stories, they are all true. All right. I'll get you out on this because I know you're busy. You probably want to get to sleep. We're taping this late at night. You got another big shift on the way <laughs> for a young student, maybe at Fairfield, maybe out at Colony, Columbia, uh, Scotia, Glenville, from your hometown, wherever. But oh, my, I'm taping this in Glenville. Your hometown is East Greenbush. Uh, <laughs> advice for aspiring broadcasters. How can they get to where you are in your career right now? 
you have to have re- respect for yourself and, and all that, all that good stuff, like do what you need to do. But it also it, it pays to, to say yes to a lot of things. Um, the more you can say yes, the better equipped you'll be to move up. And, and also too, people will appreciate that. You know, people appreciate that you, you, you helped out, you know, like, Hey, I need, we need, we need someone here to do this. Can, can you do it? And you might be like, no, I really just wanted to go home, maybe crack open a beer and watch the game. But, you know, you got, yeah, fine. I don't know, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, I'll help you out, you know, cause people will remember it. And also too, like, especially to build off of that, you know, say yes to certain things. Did I want to like necessarily work a lacrosse game at Fairfield University? Great, great for lacrosse teams. Not at, like just not something that I would normally want to do on my Saturday mornings in college. But I said, you know what, I need that experience. So I think saying yes to a lot of different things. Uh, they they say sleep is overrated. I, I disagree. Uh, you need to be able to to pick eight to nine hours, but also to try your best to do as much as you can. And and people will appreciate it, and, and it'll it'll help you get further in your career. Eric Hanneman, thank you for doing this, man. I know you're super busy, especially with this crazy time in sports. I'm so pumped that you're crushing it at ESPN. Keep up the great work. I know, just a little tease too for maybe the future. I know maybe in a year or two or three, knowing how ambitious you are and how hard of a worker you are, you might be in a different spot at ESPN. Who knows where your career is going to go <laughs> coming up next, man. I can't wait to follow it. Keep crushing it. We'll be talking again soon. I really appreciate it, guys, man. Uh, keep up the great work yourself too, man. It's great stuff. Thanks, dude. Talk to you soon. See ya. (laughs) Later, man. Appreciate it.